Hello and welcome to the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. The Oregon Wine History Archive is located at Linfield University in McMinnville, Oregon, and is dedicated to preserving and sharing the Oregon wine story. This podcast shares these stories through oral history interviews we've conducted throughout the industry. Please enjoy today's episode. All right, my name is Rich Schmidt. We're here with Gilles de Domingo. It's March 28th, 2023. We're at Cooper Mountain Vineyards. Gilles, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, thank you. First question to start things off is why wine? Why wine? Well, I think uh, um, it must be a DNA somewhere because I was born with wine. My family has a, a castle in France, for me. Uh, in the Bordeaux area with vineyards. My grandfather came from Spain, Basque Spanish, immigrated to France, and at the time, the first thing that the immigrants we do is uh, acquire a piece of land. And uh, you acquire quite a bunch of piece of land, and you purchase also a 15th century castle that he took roughly all his life to restore. And it means uh, me, uh, as a young man, uh, with vineyards, uh, all weekends uh, we spend uh, time in the vineyards and uh, the cellar, the winery, and uh, the castle. Uh, I grew up with these notions of um, winemaking, viticulture, farming. We had a lot of cows also. And um, we... Uh, I had an influence of, uh, I'm talking, sharing things. Uh, it was after World War II. Me, I was not World War II. I'm not 75. Huh? Uh, <laughs> um, I was born in 1969. But my grandfather had seen the war, World War II, the horror of the war. He was uh, resistant. My uncle was a resistant. Um, and it means uh, the farm was also a way to shelter people during the war. And uh, after the war, the memory is kept. And the wine was also a symbolism of uh, farming and also uh, sheltering and sharing. Uh, viticulture, the farming overall. And I understood the uh, young, very young, that um, in life nothing is acquired. But the vines stay. You could have a war. You could have a misery, you could have a COVID, you could have many things, but the farming stays. And human being needs their food, or they need goods, and the goods are produced by the land. And the wine has something absolutely beautiful for me always. Um, this is a byproduct of an agricultural system where you keep the memory. It means you bottle a wine, you make your wine, you bottle it. In 20 years from now, you can test still the memory of the vintage. The vintage is about um, the season, is about, of course, the location, and also the people. Um, and the people doesn't mean the winemaker, but it means everybody involved on the job. Everyone. Or is this kind of romantic notion? And also, uh, the notion of art and science. Viticulture is a science. Winemaking, enology is a science. And also a form of art, because it involves a human being. 
And uh, I'm a little bit on the romantic side, uh, or too much of a thinker, maybe, but uh, there is this notion of connections to people and to the land, and the wine is just the reflection of our job. Um, it's a good answer. I know, but I always good answer. Or <laughs> um, after means I was like that. When I was a teenager, I was a spoiled brat because my family was had money, bourgeois. But uh, I had uh, my search as a teenager. I wanted to be everything in the world, like possible, uh, like all teenagers. And uh, it took me a while to find my pathway. And uh, with the university, I went to university in winemaking, enology, in Bordeaux, in France. If you notice, I'm French from my accent. Um, and later on, I decided to uh, discover a little bit what was around, you know, the things. Uh, means uh, leave Bordeaux. Uh, with the plan I mean, to come back and uh, to take over the family winery, we working with my uncle, which I did here loved, and, um, and I went to New Zealand. And in New Zealand, it was a big shock because it was in 1995, if I recall, and I went to do an harvest in New Zealand. At the time, it was not a lot of French there. It was not even a lot of wineries in the Marlboro area. And uh, freshly graduated from university, where uh, university tell you you are the best of the best because you have a super diploma, a master in enology. Uh, well, in New Zealand, I arrived and they tell me, okay, you see the truck here? Yeah, we do wash the truck. Okay, thanks. <laughs> and suddenly, my ego went down. And, uh, and in fact, I loved it. I really loved it. I loved it so much that uh, in New Zealand, I did a nervous. Um, for me, it was a struggle because I thought I knew everything. In fact, I knew nothing. I discovered that. Uh, means I learned humility on a job. And uh, I used to work, it means, in Marlboro with Gary Dukes, a winemaker, um, who was yelling at me permanently because I couldn't hear a copy he was saying. My English was so bad. Number one, I, was, I couldn't hear even. A, uh, but he was yelling at me, but because in fact he was stressing, not because of me, because of vintage. And I learned uh, this experience was an open eye for me that in fact there is no truth. Means each winery will have their own difficult vintage, good vintage, difficult vintage. Uh, but a winemaker does his poor job, like he does the best he can during the bad vintage, okay, that's stressful. And they take, we all take personally. It's like, you know, an ocean, that's stressful, but also that's stressful instead of to say, okay, that's not my fault, that's a crappy vintage, that's raining a lot during harvest, uh, my berries are big like that because they swallow so much water, but we take personally. And, uh, and that was fabulous in certain way. That's fabulous because we want to do the best. And there is a commonality in winemaking overall that we all take personally. And it means there is a form of art in a certain way. And that's very enriching on the human behavior, uh, personally. That's what I find. Um, after New Zealand, I decided to uh, my family in Bordeaux was ready for me. I say, okay, now you learn English enough, 
Yeah, sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, so much that I decided to continue traveling. Um, and what happened in New Zealand, in fact, I, um, I decided to go back to France, temporary, and I took a flight from Auckland uh, to Paris via Los Angeles. And when I arrived in Los Angeles, it was 14 hours flying, I had a very good idea to fall asleep at the airport, to take my connection. And I wake up, now because I couldn't hear well also, means the announcement, everything, so, I missed my flight. Well, I went to, to uh, the counter, United Airlines, and they said me, okay, the next flight for you is in two days. Mm. Well, what I'm going to do, me, hopefully, I had a connection in New Zealand, I met somebody who was a chef in Los Angeles, and I called him. Uh, I had his phone number, and I said, okay, you don't remember me, mais, <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Help! <laughs> I was a young guy, but you know, I was a young guy, uh, okay, the technology was not very great huh, at the time. Huh? And he said me, okay, all right, uh, here is the address, I try to find a cab, and we don't worry, we will take care of you. And when I arrived there, in fact, he had a dinner, and at the dinner I met a guy who was in one business in Oregon. And um, he talked to me about that, uh, and, uh, and he said, but yeah, yeah you, you, you should already consider maybe uh, going in a foreign harvest in Oregon. Have a look. I went back to France, I, I put him in contact with him, and uh, the vintage after, I was in fact at King Estate Winery. At King Estate Winery, or it was 1995 or so, um, at King Estate, I arrived like a very Frenchman also, you know, free guy. Uh, and uh, it was new at King Estate. Mm -hmm. And the team was amazing. It was, the guy was Brad Bill, who unfortunately died uh, years ago. Uh, Brad Bill became my mentor, my best friend. He used to work in France, means he understood my character, my temper, uh, my passion, especially, because he was highly passionate. Uh, Brad Bill was uh, for me top mentor for me. Um, I work with uh, Ray Walsh, Capitello Winery now, great friend of mine. Um, Will Bucklin, California now he's in California. Uh, <laughs> he owns a winery, a great man also. And uh, at the time in 1995, okay, because it was a fairly new winery, very new even. We have to plant vineyards, we have to expand, uh, we have to learn. We have to learn not, not to make wine, but understanding the process, the why of the Chardonnay, the Pinot Noir, understanding Oregon, uh, which is complicated things. Understanding you know, the Pinot Noir from Oregon. Uh, the team was uh, new. With Buckley was from California. Brad knew Oregon well. Uh, Ray Walsh was from New Zealand. Me, I was a dude, uh, uh, French, uh, same thing, you know, uh, okay, all right. And uh, it means there is a team set up where, in fact, with many other people, of course. Um, we have to have our eyes open and learn, and we did learn very well. Uh, Brad, Will, Ray were already on the top of their game, and me, I learned from them. 
and I had a really, really good time hacking estate. Uh, and they put up with me immensely because I am uh, ultra passionate. Uh, yeah, some stuff like they, they asked me to do. I said, yeah, I'm not going to do. Yeah, I'm criminal. Gilles, please. <laughs> and I did a nervous. And uh, uh, winter in Oregon was my first winter in Oregon. And that traumatic event. Rain. Rain, rain, rain. I couldn't take anymore. Just, uh, and I said to them, okay. Let me come back next year. <laughs> next harvest, okay? <laughs> Let me go somewhere else. Decided to come back to France, but in fact, uh, I stay in France, and uh, after even borderline a month, I was already on the move uh, to say, okay, let me go to another country, let me discover things here. I want to learn, 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 learn. Um, and I went to suddenly, I went on a busy earth mode to do uh, South Africa, Australia. Um, by meeting people, every time it has been by meeting people. And meeting people, not like networking, but by being to show my passion and to talk to people who are passionate about it, uh, who I think uh, appreciated my passion, but who appreciated my, uh, my dedication also, <laughs> and my, uh, my spirit of, uh, how we say, human connection, everything, but not in a way of networking. I didn't need to network. I just wanted to say, Hey, let me try that, okay? Yeah, come on, come on. If you don't have to pay me even. You know, at this level, maybe pay me, hopefully. <laughs> um, I went to South Africa, went to Australia, plenty of things happened there, crazy stuff. Uh, in South Africa, I end up managing a strike in a cellar. Uh, the Zulu, Zulu and the Tutsi were striking uh, uh, in the middle of the harvest. Uh, I was working with um, for an English group. Me, I was a guy in the middle of the things. So because I was French, means I have no stakes at all of uh, because everything is political there. Um, I end up negotiating the, the strikes um, by some funny ones, uh, by corrupting the, uh, the unions, by, uh, because they love rugby. They love rugby. Oh, I mean, so because I come from an area, an area in France and with my connections in France, family connections, um, uh, France had a rugby player named Serge Blanco. Serge Blanco was a national team, but he was black. Oh, because of Africa, okay, of course. Uh, rugby and black, okay, you're cool. And I promise I will give them a jersey from Serge Blanco, signed by Serge Blanco. And after, if you get it, guys, we'll come back to work. <laughs> I got it. And. Uh, <laughs> It was an aventure, complete aventure, human aventure, and it was fantastic. Eh? Uh, a beautiful country, beautiful people. Um, in Australia, it was a different story. Same thing, different characteristics of people. The winemaking, the passion was still the same. Uh, it was very large wineries. South Africa was a smaller winery. Um, means I had the perspective of a lot of things. Um, uh, large size, big size, small size. Uh, quality was different because the goal was different and that's fine and everything is fine for that. Um, and well, I came back to King Estate, uh, continue the adventure. My family in France was here waiting for me. 
Je vais essayer, ok, take your time. <rire> take me with Japan, yeah. Um, and I decided, in fact, to stay in Oregon. Uh, quite simple, I stay in Oregon. Then after, in fact, Hacking Estate, it was a top, top, top winery, a pleasure to work with. Um, but I remember uh, talking to, at the time, the head winemaker, and I said, okay, I know you want me back, we talk about it, stuff like that, but there is a visa problem, these kind of things. Maybe because, you know, you are great, and all the team, you know, we talk like that, and I said, okay, you're going to find me a job somewhere else. I'm not going to look for a job. You're going to find me a job. Uh, he said, okay. If you want to get rid of me, I don't know. <laughs> no, 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 in fact, we, we didn't have enough staff, you know. Um, and, uh, and if you find me a job, in fact, uh, they put me in contact with a winery in Southern Oregon, named Bridgeview Vineyard. And at Bridgeview Vineyard, uh, I was there in 1999 until 2003, 2004. Southern Oregon, beautiful area. Uh, Bridge Vineyard is next to Forest. There's an Illinois Valley. And that's a beautiful place. A great terroir for wine. Underestimated terroir, still. That's very unfair, because we have top lands. And especially, especially a macroclimate, very interesting to follow. And for Pinot Noir also. And uh, Bridge of Vineyard, it was a different style winery, of course, large volume at the time. Uh, I worked with uh, Bob Curivan, who was the president of the company, and Lelo, his wife, who was managing the winery. Bob Curivan was uh, a man of uh, business. Uh, unfortunately, he passed away also. Uh, but uh, a man who was uh, like a street raised, but who knew how to do business, and he knew farming and he knew pretty much everything. And uh, I really had great pleasure working with them. Uh, I worked with Ronnie Ekman, um, a great guy, totally different character of uh, Bob Curivan. Bob Curivan was the president of the company, means that's my way, but a good man, a very good man, but uh, very business oriented. René was more mellow as a character, means he was a buffer between me and Bob Caravan. If not, we are going to clash, because my passion was uh, definitively. But Bob Caravan uh, understood my passion. And he used it in a way, but in a way also to, uh, uh, for positivity, you know, for, the, for the winery overall. And uh, I worked there, uh, I had a very great time, everything. But during this period, yeah, one thing I didn't do is vineyard. And the problem is me, I love the vineyard. But really big time. Or it means I moved to Copper Mountain, because at Copper Mountain I'm a winemaker, but also I love going to the vineyard. And I love knowing everybody. <laughs> the plants, especially. And uh, Means I talk a lot, but uh, my point is, uh, from the beginning to the start, that has been when you ask me why wine, is in fact, that's not my blood. I don't think I can do something else than wine. I will die making wine. And I will, 
Euh, I don't know, I love vineyard, I love nature, uh, always been like that. Are you telling me why you're Frenchman? Because you are, you are going to tell me because I talk a lot. Um, <laughs> why you're Frenchman, you know, uh, where in fact he had a castle, everything, the family grew up in an environment like that. Now why is in Oregon? Uh, because Oregon is, has more freedom than France. We have roughly the same landscape. Um, we have a lot of forest. The nature is still, uh, I would say, pretty much intact. We don't have so much vineyards, means we can do very nice farming, our own ecosystem, biodynamic, organic farming. Uh, we are lucky for that. I hope we preserve it. Um, and you have a less conservative approach in Oregon on things. And the people want to do better and better and better. I don't say that France is not doing that, no. But for me, it was a challenge. When you are, uh, when you grow up in an environment when everything is already built, everything, that's much harder because you have to continue. And uh, when you are uh, hyper nervous, uh, uh, you want to do on a go, you want to do things, create everything, uh, no, you cannot. Uh, you have a pressure. In Oregon, you don't have pressure. The pressure is your creativity can be expressed. Yes, somehow, somehow. Um, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> I think you did a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> so you, you talked about, you obviously, you saw a lot of wine regions. You saw New Zealand and South Africa. You saw Australia. You obviously, I've seen a lot. You saw, obviously, saw Bordeaux. Um, how did Oregon compare when you got here to other places you had seen? And what was, what, what was the potential you saw? I've been in Oregon in a, I will put a parallel between Oregon and New Zealand. Uh, in Oregon, the potential in, 90, okay, when I came in 1995, was still, while many vineyards were already established, everything, so it was, I would say, a hunger to learn, to discover more, to be better. Better in winemaking, better in viticulture. Um, the concept of farming already organically, these kind of things, it was already uh, starting to talk about it. Um, it was a sense of community, strong sense of community. Um, the ego management was not, uh, it was okay. You know what I mean? You will go to uh, another winemaker, you will give a call, stuff like that. Hey, uh, Hey, I have a question for you, in your mind, everything. It was a community, it was team bought in. At the time, it was the beginning, it was uh, um, when makers we meet. And uh, every time it was, was a question, uh, how do we do, uh, what do you think? Uh, it was overall a community sense. Um, it was not the beginning, of course. But very still, many wineries coming more and more slowly and slowly and asking questions and meeting each other. Uh, without any uh, competitiveness, ego, uh, you know, secret. Uh, <laughs> uh, the business was not usually, I don't remember, being uh, so big as a business form. Uh, even King State was a large winery, you know. It was more about progress, learning, understanding the soil, the farming, the vineyard management, especially in the 90s vintage where uh, some, some extent challenging 
97 was an horrific vintage. Rain, laquelle? Both what is everywhere. Uh, it means that, that you could feel the cooklamette. Hein? Um, and that's Pinot Noir land. Pinot Noir land is, Pinot Noir is difficult. Very difficult. At the beginning. And then after our soil, understanding our soil. Uh, and it means that we rely on each other at the time, I believe. We rely on each other to share information. How can I do? And nobody will go, uh, I'm talking, was not like California, uh, where already was a huge competition, egos. Uh, no, no, it was really down to earth. And but I liked a lot. And in New Zealand, it was a similar way. Where in France at the time, uh, already, uh, wineries has been known by families or groups, financial groups, uh, for a long time. It means it was like uh, we don't communicate between each other. Uh, even university, uh, it was, uh, 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 I would say, we think like engineers, but we forget sometimes to think like a farmer. Um, in Oregon, the, the farmer aspect was really definitively there. And that I loved it. Honestly, that's a, that was a cool place to be. Huh? <laughs> you talked about Pinot. Obviously, uh, Pinot was something you probably had to, to learn and discover. <coughs> uh, tell me about getting to know Pinot Noir and what attracted you to it as you started working with it. But it was a Pinot Noir, in fact, at the beginning, uh, I learned because uh, me, I was a Cabernet, Merlot, Malbec, guy, okay. And uh, um, I think a little bit of a Maribor aside, because in Bordeaux, you know, Pinot Noir, you don't want to see. My grandfather would tell me every time, uh, as a provocative way, he say, uh, in Bordeaux, we make wine, in Burgundy, we make beverage. <laughs> Just, <laughs> and uh, I, love, I love the man. I think maybe uh, on my uncle, just to piss them off, I decided to make Pinot Noir, <laughs> just <laughs> to prove them wrong. Um, no, because Pinot Noir also is a varietal who is very sensitive. And uh, I like challenge. And uh, discover the finesse of Pinot Noir, the difficulty to make Pinot Noir, growing reps on Pinot Noir, sensitive to botrytis, to mildew, to uh, disease, and also on the cellar, as a forgiven varietal, I call that. Um, and uh, this challenge was wonderful. So, as a form of creativity, understanding the intuitions. You can have the science behind, you need to have some form of intuition, intuitivity on the concept of you make wine in a certain level. Uh, you can look at your books every time or your, your past experience. Uh, no, in a certain level, you need to have the feeling. And uh, the Pinot Noir for me was a varietal, was a uh, when I was young, it was not a question to drink Pinot Noir. Enfin, we drink Pinot Noir. It was not prohibited by law. Hein. <laughs> but Bordeaux, Vitaliu, University of Bordeaux, Vitaliu, uh, Merlot, Cabernet, and uh, okay, uh, me, I wanted to discover something else. And uh, in New Zealand, in fact, originally, I was not planning to make Pinot Noir or working on Pinot Noirs. And I discovered this varietal and uh, the difference between this varietal overall and Pinot Noir, especially and the, the finesse needs to be worked on. Um, the techniques was to be applied. The punch down, just the concept of punch down. Uh, for me, it was totally uh, I knew by the books, but not uh, really uh, in practice. And, um, and for that, that's the challenge. And that's also, you know, uh, that's the challenge in the sense that the Pinot Noir is wine 
who is an already a rated fraction of terroir. Definitively. There is the um, uh, Pinot Noir express the terroir, the soil. Big time. And I may be wrong, I may put angry some people who do Merlot Cabernet things, but uh, I think there is more expressivity on terroir, on the Pinot Noir. And because I'm a man who lacks the sense of place and the sense of time, um, I like to work on that. And I love Pinot Noir also, at the beginning, to drink it. But I love all wines. I'm totally open to all wines. But I like my honesty. That's it. That's a wine reflect on honesty. That's the reflect of story. Um, and uh, after I'm totally open-minded to anything. Yeah? I have varietals I love also. Uh, the climate change maybe in Oregon in 25 years, 30 years, 50 years, we may change of varietal. I don't know. I hope not. Um, but we will adapt. And the Pinot Noir, like I said, is challenging regarding farming. We are uh, unforgiven. By it all. And it means it makes people better overall. That's my opinion. You talked about sense of place. Tell me about learning a new place, understanding a vineyard, understanding a terroir. How do you go about it? How long does it take you to feel like you are comfortable with a place? Well, that's a, that's a deep question, that. When you are a, you are never completely, completely, fully comfortable with a place. However, there is place, number one, who will prove you wrong or right. Means there is no truth. The first thing I do is usually I look at books and I look at the history. What happened? I am a big fan of archives. I'm a big fan of reading uh, uh, for example, you know, in France, for example, you will have the records of winemaking by the church. And you have archives on that. And you will see vintage after vintage because the church will make wine. And they will record the temperature, they will record what happened. And already you have this kind of aspect of human being and relationship with the land and the tradition. What happened as a tradition? Then after I look at the books and pedology and science and geology and pedology. Um, I love that. I'm a little bit nerdy on this one. Uh, agrology. And already give me a kind of a picture. And then after, there is a connection of the land. You know, when I go in the vineyard, for example, the first thing I look me, uh, that a biodynamic organic uh, type, mind. I don't look at the vine. I look at the soil. And I look around the farm, especially the boundaries. How many uh, flowers I'm going to see? How many uh, indigenous species I'm going to see? What is the biodiversity around? That the soil has been hurt. It has been hurt by uh, chemicals in the past, or extreme intensive farming. Uh, or that the soil has an history. Uh, trees, the trees around, tell you a lot of things. And, uh, and after, okay, you have these things. And after the people around, when you're talking about the sense of place, is it a vineyard or is it a region? A region, so you have a culture. Southern Oregon, there is a culture in Southern Oregon. Good or bad, I don't know. Uh, but this culture needs to be uh, implicated. Southern Oregon has a different, Illinois Valley has a different culture than 
uh, Eugene, Lorraine area. Then after, different from Northern Oregon, Wyoming Valley. Very different. And because the people works on this area, that's them who prune the vines. That's them who tender the vines. That's them who do a good job. Uh, and uh, that has an implication already on the quality of the land and the story. And then after, but we start to make our own wine. And we discover what can we, can, can we improve. Can we always improve something? We cannot improve the land. It doesn't happen. We cannot improve the geology. But we can improve the pathology system, the control. We can improve maybe the perception of quality. And uh, means that it takes time. It takes a huge amount of time to really be confident on a place. Um, that's a complex you know, uh, definition of you know, what is a place at the beginning. And then after, for example, you are talking about one vineyard specifically to another vineyard. Sometimes I was thinking, uh, well, this one is not going to give me, uh, uh, I don't think it's going to give me great things. And he delivers something which is absolutely unexpected. Despite the fact that the geology doesn't show any exceptional uh, sites. Despite the fact that uh, there is nothing on paper who can prove me that uh, that's a wonderful site. But the result is that the fact that, yes, that's a great site. Why? I don't have a clue. And that pisses me off to don't know. <laughs> because it makes me nuts. Or you have, despite also, you have some site who you think fantastic, on paper, who deliver great wines, but they don't deliver the wow. They don't deliver it, I don't know why. Uh, I come back to when I was in France, university. Uh, I took pedology, pedology was the subsoil science. And I had the chance to have a professor named Seguin, named uh, Professor Seguin. And this guy was fantastic, because he's all his life, um, uh, he tried to demonstrate what is the notion of terroir, but in science way. And he was involved with Gregory Jones, even, because he was like a mentor of a terroirist, geologist, geographist. It was interesting because when, when we go with him in some sites in France, you know, in, in Bordeaux area, and he would tell me this one, mm, uh, this one, we have some secret river underground, everything, so that takes, he has an effect. But he has to prove scientifically, which is rather difficult to do. But it's very difficult to prove something in science based. And uh, in fact, why, for example, some sites where the wine can be bottled and aged forever? What, why, why a wine can age for a long time? And why a wine does not age as well? That's hard to prove. And that's the sense of place, that's the sense of sites, that's the terroir. The terroir includes the people, includes the soil, includes the climate. But there are many parameters who makes me completely not to not know, but also makes me uh, as a form of art. Same thing. It's a question of intuition, same feelings. And uh, that takes time to develop the feeling. You don't fall in love with somebody in, uh, in one day. Hein? Right, you can. <laughs> Never work for me. Well, uh, it means that you always have to keep your eyes open. Oregon, when I came here, due to the nature of the people, the community sense, 
the volcanic soils, the history of the land, and oh boy, we have a new history on geology. Huh? 15,000 years ago, only the Missoula flood. The volcanic period was not so long time ago, in geology period, compared over many places in the world. And it means you feel the vibrations, you feel the, the pH on the wine, the, the acidity, the support, and that comes from the soil. And in Oregon, we understood that quickly. And we didn't try to copy California. We didn't try to copy France. We copy ourselves, Oregon. And that, that's already a sense of place. The identity was already born due to the old guys and uh, with the new generation of winemakers who came, who kept this identity of the Wollemay Valley. And that was important. So let's pick it back up in 2004. You're in the Illinois Valley. How did you end up here? My mistake, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was following, uh, in fact, I think I said, uh, Brad, Bill, and I, for Brad, Bill, and I, Brad, especially, because me, I was nothing. Uh, Brad, uh, he was my best friend also. Uh. We talked already in 1996, 97, about biodynamic, organic farming and biodynamic. He was quite interested about that. And uh, me, I had already an approach in biodynamic. Uh, I grew up, you know, with homeopathic treatment in medical system, everything, alternative methods, uh, the impact of, uh, negative impact of uh, synthetic products, uh, the mildew, for example, you know, the tolerance of the fungus, mutations. Uh, and already university uh, in France, you already had a lot of classes uh, of ecosystem. Uh, you know, ecology was important, but, uh, and the ethics especially. Means already I was interested by that. Uh, Biogeo was, of course, uh, like 99%, 99999 we say, conventional farming, but had an ecosystem. You have bears uh, next to the vineyard. Uh, <laughs> during harvest, we are dealing with people, uh, the grapes and bears. Uh, they will come to the cellar even because uh, they love berries. Uh, or it means it was already an ecosystem. Okay, but uh, Copper Mountain, I heard about Copper Mountain in 1999. And with Bob Gross, uh, big time on the biodynamic. Uh, I was very interested by that. In fact, I came in, uh, if I believe, I came, uh, I'm old. Uh, in 1999, I came here for a seminar uh, for that. And it means when I knew that uh, it was for me to to come back to the vineyard, so and to the authenticity, the farming, plus the, the philosophy, this kind of philosophy to, to attach that, because it was more my philosophy also. Um, uh, I talked to Bob, huh? and I said, Papa, I want to work. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> and Bob and I, uh, I remember meeting him on the kitchen, on his kitchen, talking to me, and we connect right away, right away. And also, it was for me to change my life a little bit, uh, to uh, life-changing moments, and to come back to uh, maybe something I love, really love. I, I, I bridge you and King and well, fantastic, yeah? but uh, to come back to uh, a notion of uh, farming uh, and challenge. Mm -hmm. And uh, since that, uh, I make wine. 
I make wine and I work with the vineyard manager, uh, I work with Bob, Barbara Gross, uh, and uh, I connect with the people also in the farm. At Cooper Mountain, we have a lot of employees who are, uh, has been there longer than me, hein? uh, in the farm. In, uh, I'm talking about Jerry Sanchez, Gerardo Sanchez. Uh, he has been here in 1997. Borderline, I said to people, he is born in a winery, in a farm. Uh, uh, my assistant, Everardo Sanchez, he has been in a winery since 2002, 2001. Uh, here we have a lot of people who have been here a long time. Hein? And they sweat, but also very happy. Hein? And uh, what the hell, you want to work on a place when people are happy, no? <laughs> and they put up with me, <laughs> which is unbelievable. <laughs> because I'm work cool, I'm crazy also. Hein? <laughs> no, and um, Copa Mountain was a biodynamic organic plus the people. You cannot do biodynamics about people. That's not about you know uh, treatments. That's not about uh, okay. Uh, I have my own. So I put my uh, manure. And now that's a technique. No, that's more than that. That's a philosophy also. That's a view of things. And uh, at the time, uh, biodynamics. Uh, when people told me, oh, you go to Copper Mountain, they are going to add the crystals on the vineyard. Yeah. Okay, uh, I haven't seen any crystals on the vineyard, no. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I haven't seen any uh, people naked uh, with a druid, uh, with a magic wand, no. No, no, no. Uh, that's just a spirit, that's just you know, a philosophy, uh, which is in fact the, the people are in the center of the farm. We are the people, we are also the expression of terroir. It means this philosophy, there is nothing new about it. Biodynamic has nothing new. We just use common sense. And the common sense that um, there was farming. The synthetic products were abandoned to problems. You fight the nature. But the problem is, when you fight the nature, the nature is going to win, no matter what. Or it means you keep your time fighting the nature. In biodynamic, you integrate the nature. The nature is not a problem. This is not a problem. We are the problem. And what we do is, means we give humanity, we increase the human system on the plant. We increase the human system, we use the energy, uh, we increase the biodiversity on the soil to deal with nature. And nature, we change, always change. On a long time, a short term, you have seasons, you have everything. And us, we just follow. We just follow, but we teach the land to adapt properly. And that's okay. Things are fine over on the long run. <laughs> when are we to die? <laughs> you know what I mean? Sure, there is some change. You know, we need to be on the top. And we have connections, emotional connections on the land also. But when you are working on conventional farming, maybe, maybe, I don't know, because uh, I don't have a lot of experience on farming and conventional. Uh, you, especially when you are buying food, for example, but you have less attachment, emotional attachment to the place. Uh, me, for example, I'm a romantic type guy. It means I need to have like a love affair with the vineyard, uh, with the land. I need to have, you know, uh, I need to feel okay uh, with it. And feeling is sometimes is uh, you cannot put words uh, on it. 
Et sur place, par exemple, alors, vous are not the greatest place in the planet, I don't care. C'est easy. Uh, you feel good on this vineyard. You're happy with the plants. And that's not, that's not going to make an 100 points wins. But that's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, and some places are making, making majestic wines. And the feeling will be the same. Or, uh, I treat the vineyard like you treat your own kids. You have three kids, four kids? I don't know if you're. Uh, uh, okay, they're all amazing. Uh, they piss you off. Uh, they're like that. But okay, you love them the same way. But you respect. You just respect. So tell me about what this place looked like when you got here and what, what was it you wanted to bring to what Cooper Mountain was already doing? Ah, that's a good question, this one. You all have a good oh, question. thank you very no, much. No, but I appreciate No, no, no. Oh, you think I'm strange? Uh, because me, I don't bring anything. A winemaker doesn't exist. Honestly. Uh, my job is to understand the vision. I bring a little bit because I have a big ego anyway, but I try to contribute to, number one, the happiness of the people, uh, and especially on the farm, and the respect. Um, my job is to, in fact, not exist. A winemaker should not exist. The term winemaker, I don't understand the term winemaker at the beginning. Honestly. I know properties, I know wineries, I know vineyards, but we are a guy. And if I was saying I have an impact on a winery, well, that's a problem. Because in fact, uh, I'm not trying to uh, confuse you or anyone, but uh, modesty is good sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have the land, the vineyards, they have a potential. Okay. Then after, there is a philosophy set up. My job is to relay from the owner the philosophy on the land. That's it. That's pretty much that. Uh, means also to have the Vinarco to do a great job. And to be in communication with the Vinarco. And to be respected. That's the key element. And uh, to be respected by my boss. Then after, we express what we have in the cellar and to make wine. But based on the philosophy of what we have. Um, then after, we things evolve, change, market change, demand change, but the spirit needs to be remain the same overall. Um, then after, you know we are going to make the best we can with what we have, and there is no problem. Me, my, uh, my input on that is just to verbalize what we need, what the, all the problems are, what the, the quality are, and uh, try to do, uh, put the team together, that's it. But me as the winemaker, I can be replaced anytime I want, if uh, people want. Winemaker should not exist. Winemaker exists in the sense of position. But uh, in the US, for example, we are obsessivity having the winemaker with a glass of wine in the vineyard for the pictures. What is the question? <laughs> you know, that was my French way, that. Huh? <laughs> you don't know who is a winemaker at Chateau Margot. You don't know who is a winemaker at Romani Conti, in fact. You don't have a clue, are they? They are not a wine spectator. Because what makes a wine? That's Romani Conti, that's Chateau Marco, that's Chateau Boyon, that's this kind of place, amazing place, absolutely fabulous. 
and uh, the people who are happy, but they don't need a fame. And me, my fame is just, uh, what do I say, uh, a great vintage. We make great wines from great soil. My job is to, in fact, just to uh, transform uh, the product and to make it as a wine. That's it. You have to be done to destroy your wine. Huh? That's easy to make wine, in fact. When you have the great grapes, the great soil, that's easy. Um, however, some vintage are not great. 2011 was one of my best vintage ever because 2011 was very late vintage. Me, I'm a drama queen. Uh, in a sense, I feel the stuff. In the first week of October, it was raining the crop like hell. Um, and we didn't even have a Verizon, a full Verizon. Far, far away. We are 50% Verizon. I'm wondering even we are going to harvest so much because it was raining so much and it was so late. I said, we are going to harvest in Christmas or what? <laughs> but anyway, and it was a terrific vintage. It happened to be a very good vintage. But why it was a very good vintage? Sure, there is a climate after. After end of October was beautiful. But there is more than that. There is the people. The vineyard crew was working their butt off until November to keep the food clean against the botrytis. The cellar crew, when we harvested, was working with the cold condition was working the hours and 18 hours a day because we have to harvest fast after. Maybe all, everybody did the best they can. Me, I was the guy who was uh, crazy, wacko, uh, nervous. Uh, but all, everybody, not a single guy on the team put us down, was complaining. They worked immensely beautifully. Okay, that was my job to make sure that they work beautifully and to motivate them, to let them understand the challenge we have, and uh, to wake up the passion and the intelligence of each employee. That's that, the key element. We use their intelligence. They are not robots. A guy who punched down is not a puncher. He makes wine as me. Me, I just tell him, hey, we do that this way. What do you think? First, I ask always, what do you think? Always. Let's talk. I think we are going to do that, and I'll explain to you why. Um, and uh, I don't know if I answered your question, I'm uh, going uh, all over the place. Uh, but um, these things you know, put together, that's what, me as a winemaker, I'm just a guy like that. That's it. After, uh, Cooper Mountain will be remembered for uh, being founded by uh, Robert Gross and Corey Gross. We have Barbara Gross here. Me, I'm just a guy going along. That's it. And that's fine. We will remember for the vineyard manager here because he's the story. He's a talent also. That's him who makes me grapes. That's him who does the work. Anyway, me, I'm just here, the guy in between. So, with that said, then tell me about how the wines have evolved. What has changed here as the vines have aged and as you've started to understand the place? But the, the wines evolved, okay. Uh, first, I learned in the same time at the beginning, uh, I did what I have to deal with. And uh, I'm not the super talented winemaker who is going to make a revolution complete on a wine style, no. First, I take what is the story of what happened here. 
And then after, I try to understand, uh, okay, uh, what is, was wrong, what is, uh, was done right, everything, and with modesty. And with fear also, because you know, uh, you're dealing with uh, history, huh? uh, there's not a brand new winery here. And um, first I worked with Rich Cashman, who was the previous winemaker here. Amazing man. And who guided me, gave me his opinion, but also led me free to do things, and he said, you know, he was consulting here. And Rich Cashman was a, uh, still, uh, the man, uh, a top winemaker, top winemaker. <coughs> Means he guided me. Then after, okay, um, uh, understanding the vineyard, I've later on, Cooper Mountain acquired a new vineyard also, by the time. Means I have to learn these vineyards. Uh, and we, uh, like many things, we change, we modify. That means I have to modify also myself for what is the response of uh, the wish. Uh, with full agreement, of course. Means the wine uh, evaluated, you know, by, because normal, normally, and, uh, I don't see a major evolution on uh, the staff, but for example, the owner sometimes support ideas. Uh, I want. Uh, Let's make an osulfite wine, so you know, like that, but let's make it very good, everything. And that's great, that's wonderful. We make an osulfite wine a little bit, uh, name a Pinot Noir Life. That's a challenge. But in fact, we took it like, uh, okay, let's do it, but let's do it the best we can, but especially without the, the fear of disappointing. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's do it even with the science base, it means with uh, some experiments, some. Uh, I want to document things. Means I use, for example, the no-sulfite wines as a comparison between sulfited wines versus no-sulfite wines, and compare between the macroorganism. What happened, in fact, on the no-sulfite wine during the barrel aging? What happened? And I discover a lot in analogy, more than uh, people think. Huh? And it means we that's fun. That that's very fun. And the consumer uh, seems to like our wines. So far, I haven't seen anyone coming to sell and slam my face. <laughs> uh, no, no, we have an attachment. You know, the people understand the integrity of what we do. We, uh, you know, the honesty, uh, which is, uh, for honesty, uh, how do I say, uh, when I say honesty, the terror expression. And uh, we become commercial, but we understand also the philosophy, and we want to give the sense of place to people. Means there is an evolution, of course, hein, made at the beginning and then after, at the end. But modestly, I don't think I was imagining one guy who uh, changed everything. No, I'm part of the system who wants that uh, we have an evolution and evolvement uh, with still organic and biodynamic farming philosophy. That has never changed, ever. Until my own death. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, but um, it's difficult to fact, respond to that regarding uh, my input and uh, my evolution. Vintage after vintage, you learn. You learn your own failure. The problem is when making, sometimes, when I say when making or vineyard management, you don't know what is failure. Because that's strange, but that's true. When you're in a counting job, you know. If it doesn't match the numbers, okay, you fail somewhere. Uh, but in winemaking, you don't know if it's your decision, you don't know if it's uh, what, at what level the vintage had an impact, at what level you had an impact, at what level the economics factor has an impact. Uh, 
the people around you as an impact means that's hard to really uh, define sometimes. What I know is every year I make wine, less I know. Every year I put myself in question. And that was important. That's very important. Uh, as a nut job, <laughs> but that's beautiful. Eh? But every year, uh, I put myself in question. I think personally, when I make a bad wine, which is unusual, of course. <laughs> no, no, yeah, enfin, bad wine. We don't make a bad wine. I never made a bad wine. Uh, but uh, sometimes they maybe disappoint you. Sometimes they are rewarding you. A lot of times they are, wow, I'm happy. Okay, good job, Gilles. Uh, you know, the baby, enfin, the babies, I combat my babies. Because uh, each block for me was babies. Um, and for example, you uh, sometimes, uh, hopefully I don't make any mistakes, but we all do mistakes. But the problem is I don't know which mistakes I make. If I make mistakes, I don't know. Or it means you have to put yourself in question and put yourself, the team, in question. Ask the team what we did wrong and what did we did right. Because also we have to pat ourselves on the back. Hein? Um, but um, that's a more philosophical aspect. Sorry for your. Uh, mm, I'm not giving a clear answer. No, it's fantastic. What, uh, it's, it's really good. I no. Uh, tell me about this site then. You've been here for 20 years. Uh, you know it pretty well. What, what is the terroir here? What, are the, what, is, what is unique about the wines here? Ah, that's a good question. So, um, well, we have several vineyards. Okay, the historical vineyards are, uh, in fact, each one are different. Overall, the terroir, okay, we are uh, here, for example, the, the old vines uh, vineyard has some soil. That's, in fact, a mixture of jury soil with some nekia uh, and uh, some soil where it little bit borderline, the same soil you find on Montu area. That's very unique. The characteristics of this wine are really authentic type. Absolutely authentic, in the sense that the Pinot Noir, for example, from Barely 10 acres, I have one Pinot Noir radically different on testing profile than another, which is like a borderline, I would say, 200 feet away. Radically different. Why? Because one is a, no, the soil has nothing to do. That's the division of soil, pure geological aspect. And already that's fun to work with. Mm -hmm. um, these wines are fairly unique for the acidity and the tannin profile also. Um, and we have another vineyard at Johnson School Vineyard, this one, that's uh, more uh, site uh, with the Shellheim Mountain AVA, but also with uh, some Helvetia type soil, laurel wood a little bit, uh, stress soil on some areas, stress wall, which is good for vineyard. Um, and it means the expressions are going to be radically different also. Or it means there is a multitude of different expressivity on the wine. I don't know if it's English. Yeah, the, uh, different expression on the wine. And the key element is, for example, for us, is to try to deliver some wines who are very good, of course, but also we express something different. Uh, means the consumer may prefer a Pinot Noir wines, 
mais préfère un pinot noir de Johnson School, mais préfère un autre type of pinot noir. They will have maybe what they match on their spirit. And also let them discover other things. That's uh, borderline, the wine, or that become suddenly very deep. Um, the wine is about sense. Okay. And when you are wine with a sense, means you let the people discover their sense. Of course, the people doesn't like to discover things. We are feeling comfortable if you notice on sense uh, we are a little bit um, cautious. For example, if you pour a glass of wine to somebody, the first person, the person is going to say, what is it? You know, uh, sometimes we should have them a test. Okay, why do you ask me that? What is it? Why do you want to have a DNA on the wine? Uh, okay, test and you see if you like it or not. Okay, means the people are going to say, huh, what is it? The first thing you want. They would need to know, and that's the psychology. Okay, or when you have a multitude of soil, that's very interesting because in fact you play. That's like a, you play with the, the perception of sense. Uh, and the Pinot Noir, like I mentioned at the beginning, Pinot Noir is very reflective of terroir. Has a huge reflection on terroir. Massive. And that's beautiful. Because not far away from each site, you can find a lot of difference. And, uh, and it becomes become an identity. Um, it's what I appreciate a lot, personally. Or it means they are, each one has a different characteristic, but we try to enhance the notion of terroir by being as simplistic as we can. And when you're organic, biodynamic, also uh, winemaking, because you need farming and winemaking, uh, he enhance in a certain way this notion of terroir also. And so that's difficult sometimes. It can be difficult. But we do. And we do, and we do without fear. On some difficult vintage, some people say, oh my gosh, you're organic, but it must be hard. Huh? But yeah, that's hard, but hey, we do. Huh? Well, we to do, we're not going to cry. Huh? <laughs> uh, I'm not going to do that, and that, and that. No, no, no. Um, and he brings, that's my French side, about I know for a long history, he brings a fertilization on people on the site. I can tell you some uh, stories of uh, generations of people, for example, who drink a wine from the east flank of a winery, and we never, never, for generations, drink the west side. You know, they are, for example, this property. The other are the enemies, borderline. <laughs> because the test is different. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, over, the opposite, uh, in a sense. And uh, in a certain way, uh, each winery has their own identification, in a certain way, and that's fantastic. There's a diversity of tal palettes. There is no things like uh, who is the best. Then it is that. But how consistent you are on your profile. And the profile cannot be they confirm the soil. So you you mentioned obviously biodynamic organic is the whole the whole process, not not just the farming. Do you how does that change your approach in the winery and are there limitations on that you have struggled with, uh, especially in difficult vintages? We have limitations, yes, uh, on difficult vintage, but uh, Okay, the standards are not, you know, extremely uh, 
Uh, uh, see, uh, standards understand, okay, uh, the issues of winemakers, uh, you know, uh, and it means we, we take that in account. Mm -hmm. uh, there is some stuff we cannot do. Okay. Uh, but hopefully, I think nobody, even a winemaker with conventional, we want to do anyway. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, like, for example, the copper sulfate, additions on the wines, you know, to, uh, to remove any form of mercaptan or the uh, H2S. Okay, no winemaker, even in commercial farming, wants to do it. And uh, their job is not do it, to prevent the problem before it happens. Means there is nothing against conventional farming, yeah? conventional winemaking. The distinction is not massive. Uh, that's not a challenge per se, no. After we've experience or so, you start to deal with uh, uh, some choice you make, but the choice are minor. Uh, that's not a massive challenge, no. Uh, modestly enough, no. Especially by the time overall now uh, the science uh, enology has increased with knowledge on uh, chemistry, knowledge of uh, formation of molecules for enology degree means we have a better understanding. We can do more and more natural way things uh, without impairment of quality, the opposite even. Uh, I told you that I'm a big fan of one history. I can tell you that if you drink a wine from 1950s even in Oregon, uh, from 1970s in Oregon, I'm sure that's a whew, uh, the level of SO2, uh, sulfites on the wines, you know, for protective, uh, was probably immense. I'm sure even. I'm very sure. Okay, uh, any winemaker, any winemaker worldwide, organic, biodynamic, or even conventional, understand that SO2 level to high can impair the quality of the wine. Means their job is to decrease the addition of SO2, the maximum they can. And that's all my colleagues are like that. Us, we just are uh, a little bit five years ahead of the time. That's it. But everybody agrees on that. Everybody agrees that the more you find a wine, you are the finding agent, the more you strip the wine. Means the dream is to not find any wine you have. Everybody agree, conventional or organic or biodynamic. Means the difference is us, we have a label who say it. But all my colleagues who are conventional also have the same approach. Mm -hmm. I, will, uh, I will be rude if I say the opposite because I will be lying. We all want quality. We want to do nothing. A winemaker is lazy by nature. <laughs> we just want to do nothing. I love coffee in the morning, uh, <laughs> test. Party, I have my ego big, but no, uh, we don't want to do anything special on the wines. Uh, obviously, the organic and biodynamics in Oregon have picked up a lot since you mm -hmm. started. Uh, tell me what you've seen uh, in Oregon in that, in that sense, in the biodynamic farming, organic farming sense. Uh, how has it grown and evolved in the, in the 20 or so years that you've been involved? I a first experience, like I told you before, okay, when I said that we go to Cooper Mountain, people tell me, oh, we are going to have the crystals, or we are going to see uh, people naked on the vineyard, uh, looking for the sun, uh, find away some stuff. Anyway, or at the beginning, we were going to be Waco. Okay, uh, that was obvious. Wrong um, fully, because in fact, okay, uh, we are all science-oriented, uh, down to earth, a big time. Uh, okay, that's not a belief. Biodynamic is not a belief. Okay. Uh, means it involves, because Oregon, number one, has a capacity absolutely unique to have a lot of space. 
We have a unique capacity of having a lot of space. We have a, we have a lot of forests around us. We have uh, vineyards with a lot of boundaries, natural boundaries. We love our blackberries. Okay, and the blackberries are perfect buffer zone between a farmer with commercial too. You know, we have a huge pile of blackberries, or wall of blackberries. Uh, that's fantastic. Uh, we have birds. We have a lot of things like that. And we are lucky in Oregon is to have that already at the beginning. We are not a vineyard planted everywhere. Uh, okay, like a crazy. Or it means the farmer understood. Many farmers, vineyards especially, understood that maybe, okay, that's a technique. Well, when they compare with the conventional farming, well, I spend my time spending a fortune on a bunch of chemicals. Uh, that's pretty like a crazy. And no matter what, I have to change my, my chemical in the year after because there is a mutation from the fungus who adapt to the chemical. It means there's a chase, a permanently a chase. At the beginning, they were thinking we're well, wacko. But in fact, we were thinking, I think, but I'm truly believe, organic especially, they were afraid. A lot of them were afraid of doing it, but they liked it. But they were afraid. And fear dominates when you're a farmer. Uh, a lot of times we, uh, we do things based on prevention, but also on fear of having a problem. And we overreact many times. Then, uh, some, uh, like a couple of mountain, they start to see the grapes, okay, shit, that's, that's not bad what we do here. Seems to work, this one. <laughs> okay. And uh, then we, uh, more and more vineyards in Oregon start to develop that, gently, slowly, nicely. Um, and uh, more and more means over vineyards, start to understand maybe that's the future. And what I've seen, I've seen a huge, massive change in the last 20 years. From being the wacko label, wacko crazy, uh, to, uh, we say, but now we are borderline organic, organic is borderline commercial farming now. Because there are so many vineyards and winery who are doing that. Uh, I wish to see more biodynamic certified winery, however. I wish to see more organic certified winery. Uh, winery. Why certification? And that was my uh, uh, Che Guevara uh, style. Uh, because certification, you know, the people want trust. Okay. And the trust is important. The financial crisis in 2008 proved to people that you don't trust your banker because he collapsed. <laughs> Many people, millions of people lost their job when the Federal Reserve Bank a year after said, don't worry, there is nothing happening, everything is fine. Okay, and guess what? He didn't know. Uh, nothing was fine. Um, and uh, since, for example, this period, I consider that the people need to have something on the label. And this something on the label needs to be strong and serious here. And also, more we have a certification, more, more we will have on the label, more people will understand what is organic and what is biodynamic. Spreading the word is important. And uh, an average person, for example, uh, who take the label, like the wine, turn the label and say, oh, the certified biodynamic, what is biodynamic? Wikipedia is for that, Google is for that, and they start to be interested. Huh, okay. And uh, the world maybe will be much better, maybe, I don't know, if uh, we were having more organic farms. And especially where organic farms with accessible pricing. Because bigger we are going to be on the biodynamic system, more 
we are going to evaluate, more we are going to improve the science beyond it, behind it, I hope so anyway, and uh, means more we will produce organic biodynamic products and organic products accessible to the mass. That's uh, my communist society, maybe my utopia society, but that's important. So far, biodynamic on wine or whatever, that's for the rich people. Okay. Um, and uh, they was not good to be. Acupo Mountain, we are very, I'm very proud of that, Acupo Mountain. We have several labels. We have one with 18 to 20 dollars retail. And this one is certified organic and we are also biodynamic. And that I'm very proud of that. Because the average person can have access a minimum of something with not 80 dollars. They like it or they don't like it. But at least they can test the zip of energy. And they like it, okay, they don't like it. Uh, but at least they have access. In California, some minorities are doing that. And that's fine. And I like it also. I applaud that. Because it can be made also. Uh, you can make quality, uh, sustainable, but really sustainability. <laughs> uh, and um, uh, how do I say? Uh, accessible and pricing. When I come back in 20 years, if I, the, the argument I had about people who are biodynamic denier, I say to them, okay, we use preps, preparations, that we make. We dilute in water a beauty quantity unbelievable. For example, if I spray silicium, silica, that's going to be one teaspoon per acre. Dilute in uh, 50 gallons. One teaspoon. I say the worst that can happen is we do nothing. We have done absolutely nothing. Me, that's totally useless. Okay, I said to the guy every time, or the people, I said, name me a farming in practice, practice, sorry, uh, farming where in fact it doesn't hurt. Organic can hurt. Organic, if you spray a bunch of sulfur, you are going to kill a lot of, you know, uh, uh, with insects who are your friends. Okay, I mean, you have to be careful. Biodynamic, the worst that can happen, we do nothing. We spend our time to do zero because there is absolutely no evidence it works. And guess what? Maybe we do. And we do nothing, we are happy because I think it works. Uh, and that the people at the beginning were, oh, that's why we are thinking, well, oh, it doesn't work. Okay, it doesn't work. Okay, but let us do it. Okay, we don't hurt anything by doing that. We don't cause any problem. But now, the same people now are thinking, well, it works now. How can they, can you prove in science? No. Uh, you can read some data, some like that. No, scientifically, that's impossible to find. That's impossible. That's possible. You give me 20 million dollars, a minimum, I need 400 acres, 20 dollars, I need to have five universities, 20 million dollars, sorry, uh, five universities working on that, but you know, that's a complex soil. Huh? The interaction soil, science, uh, weather, people, like that, with the parameters, the modalities. Maybe we will put something, some data, some interesting data to read. Um, biodynamic will be understood. Uh, clearly understood, you know. Uh, there is nothing new on biodynamic. Um, but the evolution has been now, there is a, an open mindedness. But I wish to see, however, I rent myself a little bit here, more labels. Seeing on the label, in fact, biodynamic farming and certification. 
Um, but there is a little bit an excuse. We say, hey, it costs too much, uh, certification. Oh, that's too much paperwork. No, no. But not too much paperwork. No, sorry for your inconvenience. Uh, <laughs> in fact, it helps. The paperwork helps. Because it helps to put on paper. What do you do? It helps to have some rigor also. You know, I'm a gigi guy also. I, have a, I love the workstation, for example. Every day I check my workstations huh? on the vineyard we have at Shellheim. Uh, I like data, huh? I like numbers. I'm not a Waco guy, uh, no. Um, I love science, huh? big time. Huh? So given what you said about sort of the fear of, the fear keeping people from being organic or biodynamic, um, and the perceptions you had of the, or they were, they were telling you of the kind of the wacky, the wacky crystal people up here on the hill, what do you think has caused so many more people to start farming that way? Because I think there is a demand, number one, because they start to see, they start to test, they start to see, but uh, well, it works, huh? then it works. Uh, that, uh, you know, uh, we don't rush to the, rocks, uh, to the OVS or we're going to buying a bunch of chemical products uh, secretly. Uh, <laughs> uh, they go on the vineyard, they go on the vineyard, the people stop by on the vineyard quite a lot. Huh? My colleagues stop by, uh, have a look at the grapes. Huh? Uh, on different sites we see, uh, and we see that we're organic and biodynamic, and we don't have milieu. Uh. We don't have a bunch of milieu, uh, uh, that's not an issue. It means, uh, why are well in the world we, uh, we are going to spend on synthetic product, products, having more headaches on everything else, when in fact we can do it, and that uh, the world tomorrow will start to spray. And they start to understand that uh, many wineries start to do it, many vineyards start to do it. So far, I mean, nobody has seen a complete collapse of the system. Hein? Um, no, the fear dominates. When you're a farmer, there's human. Hein? That's the fear. Nobody wants to spray some crop. Uh, life certification came with some rules established. Means there's an arrangement that conventional farming, in a certain extent, can be damaging. That's already a step. Okay, you have a life certification. Then you have organic certification, means there is a sense overall in the Oregon community to obviously go on sustainability system. Uh, nobody, like I said, wants uh, to kill a vineyard worker. Nobody wants to poison people. Nobody wants, unless you are a psychopath. But you don't make wine if you are a psychopath. <laughs> No, 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 anyway, that's that. And we have seen a damage worldwide. There is enough database, you know, in Europe, they are thinking, there is a fight about uh, banning Roundup. The court in France has defined that Roundup is officially as cause brain tumor. That's a fact. And uh, you know, the court doesn't make decisions based on the article of the newspaper. Huh? They make, uh, you know, it takes years of decisions, of study. Huh? Okay, the various fact. Why do you want to poison people? Especially when you are making wine, that uh, land is overall for vineyard or poor land. You know, that's not land for wheat. They are beautiful lands. Why do you want to destroy the crop? What a point. And you do that for the future generation also. When you plant a vineyard, you plant a vineyard not for you. You plant your vineyard for your grandkids. If you do for you, you need a psychologist or you need a ego management, uh, uh, unless you're Californian. Uh, which Californian? No, I mean, uh, 
you do that for your own kids, that's going to be a lasting a long time. Anyway, it means you want to do the most sustainable way as possible. The people has now a very majority of understanding. 20 years ago, it was a really little understanding of that. Now, that's, I think, a majority of growers, uh, wineries, want the most sustainable uh, things possible. Like uh, water irrigation, same thing. Use less as water as possible. The water is cold. The planet is going through some challenge absolutely immense. And that's a duty we must have to protect what we have. That's my opinion, that's common sense. So in what other ways have you seen Oregon's wine industry change outside of, the, outside of those ways? What else has changed in your time in, or in the Oregon wine industry? Ah, uh, before we are smoking pot in Iguali, and now we smoke pot in Iguali. I'm joking, that's a joke. That's a joke. No, 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 no. Um, okay, Oregon has become bigger, definitively, has become more industry. That's good, in a way also, but that's good and very some bad. Like everything is positive and negative. Uh, positive, that's uh, because it means the world of Oregon is more global. Now, uh, internationally, uh, Oregon is recognized. Uh, due to also to the expansion of wineries, due to the marketing powerhouse also. Uh, because you cannot do without money. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you can make the best wine in the world if you don't have money. Uh, nobody cares. Huh? Um, people have to know. Our means he helps, gigantically, but uh, we have also a lot of talent. Means before we had talent, uh, the difference is we attract more talents. Uh, winemakers from California, from all across the planet. And with the vision, and with the beauty, and, uh, and they can improve the things or change even if they want. Uh, we have a city of Portland who, uh, with uh, some urban wineries who are also like a natural wine movement, who in a certain way challenge, but also that's good to challenge, because you love that you put uh, the system in a little bit on a shaking period, but that's good, because it's uh, diversification of things. The negative things, because I'm negative by nature, uh, the negative things is it become too much an industry, and we tend to forget sometimes that we need to be a community. The community has not to be only on uh, marketing, but it has to be on also on the production side. Um, that was the negative things. Means I never wanted to work in California. I'm allergic to California. Just uh, <laughs> no, 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 because there are too many French people there. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, I didn't want to work in California because everything is uh, competition. Uh, Anyway, the cost of living and people are on their brain are thinking about uh, you know competition, wages, increase, everything like that. They forget sometimes, sometimes they forget the farming aspect. Some places no, hopefully. Huh? Um, however, in Oregon, okay, uh, let's hope that we don't become like a huge industry system. We need to uh, sometimes remind ourselves that we are Oregon specific with our own challenge. Nature is not going to change. Yeah, one thing we know. And what does it mean that we have known also in many years, some very good years, two decades, of very, very good vintage. I hope the cycle doesn't change. Because that you will see, for example, I don't say that's, a, I don't say that's a good to happen, huh? but imagine you have a three or four by vintage on a row, 
uh, that suddenly uh, we need to put ourselves in question here. And uh, while in Oregon we tend to have a nature to be conservative on many things, this conservatism is in certain ways good, but we wish sometimes to have a little bit to come back what used to be before, a little bit more cooperation with that the, uh, the challenge, ego management, uh, uh, talking openly to problems, uh, like the smoke, the fire in 2020 was, uh, everybody was uh, uh, crying, I was the first. Um, but when we cancel contracts, the growers, the growers did what they did the best they can, huh, the poor guy. Uh, some minority did, did not cancel contracts. Uh, because we understood, you know, uh, okay, I like my grower. I respect him. What I'm going to do is enter the foot, and after we talk about pricing. You know, if one is totally crap, okay, we, we are going to talk about that. We are going to support the grower. We have a vast community. And some, however, where I don't care, boom, we cancel the contract. I don't care if my grower is going to bankrupt. Okay. It's a little bit sad, but I understand money, I understand the concept of financials. Uh, but uh, okay. Uh, Oregon has an history, a good, pretty damn good history overall. Very good history, even. The change has been more industrialization overall, more money overall, but also more talent. And this talent brings change. And they change. However, you don't remove the roots because you don't remove the land. You don't remove any things with the basic of the Oregon, specificity of Oregon at the beginning. Uh, means what the future we do, I don't know. I'm not God. I wish to be, but I'm not. Uh, but um, overall, in fact, I'm very optimistic for Oregon. Very optimistic because um, the land doesn't change. The nature will always put back. If you have any flow, for example, uh, too much egos, everything, we think we're too much superb, we're a $100 bottle of wine everywhere, that's going to come down. Mm -hmm. That's a farming concept. What comes next for you? What are you looking ahead to for yourself? Well, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, continue making wine. Uh, I am 54 years old. Okay, I'm uh, not uh, near to die today. Uh, sorry, I'm not near death yet. Uh, I had plenty of things happening to my life. Means my story is huge. Uh, I went through the great things, the terrible things. Uh, means my future is about peace and living my life, making my passions always. I love farming, I love uh, what I, will, I don't project in my future in a way. I've always been living in a, sorry, I'm a, mm -hmm. I've been living always on a system of that life is an aventure, still. Uh, like I said, at the beginning I said nothing is acquired. Uh, that was mentality. Uh, I've seen people die next to me, the loved one, my wife, die. Uh, uh, my late wife, unfortunately, this kind of things means suddenly things can change very radically due to cancer, these kind of things. Or it means I take life always as an adventure. I am lucky enough to have enough fundings to save money because I'm cheap uh, for the rest of my life. And it means uh, I follow the wind, not just that. I don't plan to buy gallo 
So far, Gina Gallo doesn't want me to buy a winery. Uh, uh, no. Uh, the future is uh, what? Cooper Mountain, huh? I don't know. Huh? But I can buy a Silicon Valley Bank was sold today, yesterday. Mm -hmm. I wanted to buy Silicon Valley Bank for one dollar, <laughs> but I really didn't want to. You were the second bidder. I was a competitor, yeah. <laughs> That puts a good timeline on this interview that the Silicon Valley Bank sold yesterday. Uh, on the note of, of Cooper Mountain, uh, anything on the horizon here that you're, uh, anything, any new projects, anything you're trying new or is it? At Cooper Mountain, we, uh, we purchase a lot of vineyards, mm -hmm. well-established vineyards. And the uh, first thing we need to do is transition organic and biodynamic, is what we're doing now. We are on a year two for that. We have uh, a total of, since Amir, for example, we have three new sites. Since 2004, Corin Vineyard, Shella and Mountain Vineyard, and Aberbrook Vineyard. Uh, two of these vineyards need to be established uh, organic and biodynamic, and at the same time, I'm learning the sites. Uh, Aberbrook Vineyard already uh, harvested some fruit a little bit for uh, Aberbrook label, made a wine from it, and holy shit, that's good. That's uh, one of the sites was, you know, I was surprised. I was thinking, well, okay, all right, there's not going to be a wet stuff here. And uh, holy boy, boy, but I don't know what happened here. It was not me, huh? that's already the webs. Shellaem, that's a complex side with a long history of quality, upper quality, absolutely amazing, uh, very great vineyard management uh, on this one. Uh, diversification of clones, blocks, various blocks everywhere, uh, that's amazing. And uh, means the future is uh, a day we are going to have our babies inside here and uh, make wine at Shelaim Mountain from Shelaim, Aberbrook, and Corinne Vineyard. Um, different style of each one Pinot Noir, different clones, different stories, different soil also. Uh, means a complete diversification. And that was a big challenge, but a beautiful challenge. You prefer to be on the upper level on quality of vineyard everything, than downgrading. Uh, means that's an excitement, absolute, and uh, same thing, getting the, the quality of the wines, quality, what we can do with, uh, what we deliver, well, we know already what we deliver. Put me pressure on me, by the way. Uh, sometimes I prefer work on crap and making better than uh, <laughs> the opposite. And it means that the Cooper Mountain is going to expand automatically and having uh, deliver uh, some large quantity of wine, the very, very high quality with a great terroir aspect, with a long history eh, also. And uh, because history is important also. Um, means that's a wonderful challenge for Cooper Mountain, that's uh, obvious. And for the team, because everybody has to be on the same page. With new vineyard sites, as you mentioned, you're, you're learning new vineyard sites and you're going to be making more wine. How, does that change anything for you and your approach? Yes, yeah. oh, but you have to evolve. Yeah, you have to. Uh, it's like kids, grapes are like kids every time. But you adapt to the kids, even the kids will not go to adapt to you. Huh? You know, their brain, their DNA, stuff like that, their personality, and a certain level, that's not you. Enfin, that's not the people who forge the identity of a child, huh? and a certain level, or fully. The child is going to have their own uh, behavior, their own stuff. Uh, uh, you better adapt. I better adapt to them because I'm not going to change. That's not the web, so it's going to change uh, things. Huh? No. Means I must adapt automatically. When I say I, we, 
de team, so everybody. Eh? Already on the vineyard, uh, the way we prune our vines, everything on our site here, is, going to, is totally different from Shelheim. That's a different story. And therefore, we adapt, even after decades of habit, we must adapt. We are not the truth. Means we adapt to the land. And winemaking was adapting also to the expression of the land. It means if I have to change things, I will change things. I am, have no choice. And that's what the beauty of winemaking also. Huh? But, uh, some winemakers who buy a lot of food from everywhere. But uh, on their mindset, they, are, they have no choice. You know, uh, and uh, me, I was a sport brat because of the food I knew it. Now suddenly I have some, something new coming. And uh, that's a challenge for me, which, which is good. Especially because this one has the story from over the winery who buy the food, means I know. And they are not, you know, the, the most screw up wineries. And it means I have a good picture of what the wine delivers. Yeah. And, uh, the good thing is when you have a worse voice, well, it's hard to break. Means the worst voice are the grapes, the site. We have diamond, you know, we don't break easy. Eh? Means I can be a screw up a winemaker, I would be very good to break it. Eh? Uh, but my job is to respect what the land do. And especially to respect the people. I repeat that this one. The vineyard workers. Every year. We have people new during harvest, from Europe, everything, interns from US. And the first thing I say to them is, we have a job. The job is to respect the guys who work in the vineyard. For 10 months of the year, they get wet. They get, you know, hot. They did a job. And you better be. Uh, you don't do that for your own boss, you do that for them. Don't screw up their work. And we are going to do that. Don't screw up their work. Because I know for a fact, they are going to ask me a few months after, hey, how is the wine? And everybody asks that. How is the wine? Uh, I will have some time to tell him, you know what, uh, we are a little bit lazy, or uh, we, uh, it was okay, but, but uh, no. No, no, no. Uh, means new vineyards also bring new people because we expand. And the question is asking, how is the wine? The final product, that's for babies also. Last question for you. Um, as you look back, what is your greatest achievement? What are you proudest of? Personally, you know, every year we have interns. We're making interns, they are in OG degree, everything. And always, uh, the greatest achievement is they keep contact with us still. And many of them became top winemakers, highly recognized winemakers everywhere in the world. Some of them are Rolls Royce, even. And they still contact me. Mm -hmm. Or they contact us. And directly, once a year, I receive a message or happy birthday or like that. And the greatest achievement is they became the top and uh, now I can ask them questions for help. And I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud, that number one, they work with me, and they work with the team, and they don't run away from the winemaking job. <laughs> and uh, I'm very proud because um, we give them confidence to continue and to be respected. I truly believe me as my philosophy in life. 
Winemaking is also a form of uh, a science, as an art, but also as a form of apprenticeship. Anyway, we have a duty. We have a duty to, uh, in a certain way, to teach people. That's not only work, working winemaking. That's not a work. That's, you don't want to be a winemaker only for that. Huh? If you don't like it, don't do it. It's easy, huh? but, uh, uh, however, when you work in a cellar, stuff like that, when you work in a vineyard and you want to progress everything, um, I consider as a duty that the person needs to be happy. And I really wish the best of the people. And also to give a little bit of knowledge. I have or using their brain and tell them, okay, use your brain now. Sometimes I can be harsh, but use your brain when you work. Okay. And when I see, for example, many uh, past interns who are now established winemakers, everything, uh, sending a message, hey, are you doing? Or if I have a problem, I will call them and they give me advice. And that makes me very happy because I did also a part of my job as a boss. Enfin, uh, winemaker, uh, managing a team, a production team. That makes me pride. That's one of my accomplishments. You will tell me I don't feel to do per se with wine. Because I will not say my accomplishment to that, yes, I make a 95 points like that. But I'm not going to talk about it. I will not talk about ratings. I will not talk about wine quality per se. Uh, why? Because it's subjective. And that's, uh, no. Uh, we are not buried in life because we make red wine. Well, no, we are buried in fact people remember you for your personality and not because of your wine quality. I hope so anyway. <laughs> and I shut up. <laughs> well, that is all the questions that I have for you, but is there anything I didn't ask that I should have? Anything we didn't talk about today that you'd like to talk about? Ah, uh, no, I didn't go to jail. Just, uh, <laughs> Because of, sorry, in 1995 in the US, I was traumatized by uh, they were putting everybody in jail at the time. You know, it was uh, mm -hmm. the hardcore, you know, uh, you will go measure 11 in Oregon, everything. And uh, all my co workers, like I said, one by one, we will go to jail for one night at least. You know, uh, <laughs> you know the cellar crew. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I'm thinking, you know, uh, and every time I said, you know, in, the, uh, in 1999 to my friends in France, you know, I didn't go to jail. Huh? The French always say American, they are everybody's in jail. <laughs> That's a joke. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no, it was fantastic. Eh? Uh, what I have to talk about. Uh, no? Good. Good. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you taking the time, sharing your stories with us, sharing the space with us. And thank you. We'll let you off the hook. Thank you so thank much. You. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Oregon Wine History Archive podcast. And thank you to all our supporters, partners, donors, and interviewees who have helped make our project a success. Be sure to check out our website at OregonWineHistoryArchive.org for more interviews, photographs, wine labels, and more. And stay tuned for more interviews as we tell the story of Oregon wine. The Oregon Wine History Archive podcast is brought to you from the Oregon Wine History Archive at Linfield University with a very special thank you to all the Linfield Archive students who have contributed to these oral history interviews over the years.